I want to read to you a passage. It's not a Christmas passage, um, but it's one that's very um, special to me, especially right now, one I've been turning to again and again. Uh, this is from the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. And Christmas is very much connected to this. Um, Christmas, we understand, is a very uh, clear holiday. We simply are remembering the birth of Jesus Christ. There's no command in Scripture to celebrate it as a holiday, um, but it's really the kickoff, it's the launch of all the good things that come through Emmanuel, God with us, being with us in this world. Without this inauguration of the Son of God being in the world, there's really no good in this world. If you take away the birth of Christ, there's no hope. None. Oh yeah, you can hope for small things. You can hope for a raise. You can hope that your next meal will taste good. You can hope that it's gonna be sunny weather in the summer. But we all understand, don't we? We need more substantive hope than that. We need more than just kind of wishes about having a good day. We need a, a hope that's real, that's solid, that's meaningful, that will hold us up when we have greatest need in our life. We need a hope like that. I know many of you have a hope like that. Some of you, imagine, don't have a hope like that. If you're going through life, you're going to get hit with hard stuff, and you'll make it through because you're tough, but one day you're going to come to the toughest test of all. You're going to come to death. What's your hope then? Where's your hope? When your health has gone away, when your money can't buy you a cure, when your friends can't do anything for you, when your family wants to surround you and be at your side, but the best they can say to you are nice things, where's your hope then? You need a solid hope. Christmas is it's a wonderful, wonderful time. I love Christmas. I don't like shopping, but I like Christmas. But it's full of all these kind of uh, feelings, sentiments, things that we like, joy, maybe foods, maybe friends, maybe family, maybe parties, maybe presents, all those things are nice. But right now, personally, very personally, I need, I need more than that. I need, I need more than reindeer and a guy in a red suit. I need more than someone who's keeping track of whether I've been good or bad. I don't typically like to speak too personally. I don't want to get in the way of things. Many of you know, I mentioned even this morning in the service, I've uh, been praying for my mom, and then I got a call this afternoon. Uh, my mom died today. About 2.30. Wonderful woman. Best mom in the world. 
couldn't have asked for a better one. But Christmas is kind of um, gone out today for me. It's not like, you know, I, I, presents, the colors, the lights, those are all nice, but what does that do? What does that accomplish? You feel good for a day or something? Great. What? What's tomorrow? We need a hope that's more substantive. And I know I'm speaking personally about what I'm going through today, but if I were to sit down and talk with any of you, I'm sure that you could list out the things that you're going through in your life. You could tell me about the sorrows you've had, the griefs, the pains, the things that the lights and the candles and the presents can't do for you. You could list those out for me. Every one of us has problems. Every one of us has ordeals in this life that you've got to go through. What's your hope? What's your hope? This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. This is my hope today. I want to share it with you. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Find great hope there. Find great hope there because the great dilemma that we have in life is really our looming death. We have stretches where things go well, but inevitably every last one of us in this room will face that day where you die. It's going to happen. Inevitable for each one of us. What is going to provide any hope of overcoming that death? check the news, read these stories about these uh, wealthy millionaires or billionaires who, who just invest everything they can to extending their life. And maybe they'll get an extra couple of years. Maybe they'll look better when they get into their 70s and 80s, maybe even 90s. But guess what's going to happen one day? They're going to die. What's going to happen then? You could suggest that you just go out of existence, that you just Poof, you're gone. Oh man, is that unsatisfying. All this, all this world, all this beauty, all the love, all the good things and all the bad things, ultimately meaningless because they just go poof on that day and you just disintegrate and there's nothing more. There's no hope there. Your life is a complete waste if that's the case for you. No purpose, no meaning, no direction, The hope that the scripture gives to us, the hope that came on Christmas morning is simply this, that there is a God in heaven who made this world, 
He made it good. In fact, very good. You can see kind of tinges of that when you see the beauty of the creation and you see the systems that work together. You see the beautiful uh, elaborate flowers that come in the spring. You see the unfolding of the leaves that come on the trees. You see the beauty of a sunrise or a beauty of a sunset. Or you look over the ocean, you see the infinitude that's out there. Or you look into the heavens and you see the stars glistening in the sky and you just marvel at the grandeur of it. And you look at the moon and you marvel at its brightness or you look at the sun you have to turn awake and it's so glorious. And you get these tinges of the beauty that God has made. But then we look around and we see that this world is a broken world, a world marred, a world full of death and decay. And so there's beauty, yes, but there's also all these horrors that happen. And the reason those happen is because God made the world good and he made his people good, Adam and Eve. And they were tempted in the garden on that day when Satan came in and told them a lie that they could live without God on their own and do what they wanted. And with that came sin, and with sin came death, and decay, and corruption. And that's why we've got tinges of a good world, because God made it good, but it's full of decay and corruption because of our sin. And every human being, since Adam and Eve, have fallen into the same trap. We all sin. Not one of us has not sinned. Who here can stand up right now and say they are without sin? Go ahead. Give you the opportunity. Tell me how perfect you are. You can tell all of us. No? I don't mean that I'm taught because I'm standing because I have to. I should sit down. I'm the worst of all of you. We break God's law in so many ways. He tells us that we shall have no gods before him, and yet we worship everything except for him. He tells us not to commit adultery, and Jesus tells us if you lust after a woman in your heart, you commit adultery with her, that happens all the time. Don't steal, only take things that aren't ours all the time, ideas, things, money, whatever. Don't lie, only how many lies have we told in our life? These are little things. This is the breaking of God's law. And with this, there comes consequence. You cannot ignore the consequence of our sin. Maybe you can avoid it for a while, but one day, you will have to face your creator, your maker, who has kept records. He knows what you've done. He knows what you think. He knows where you go. He knows what you say. Not like Santa Claus. Like a sovereign God who created everything, including you. And he knows how you've rebelled against him. The consequence for that is death. Death exists because sin exists. Try to find another explanation for it. It'll leave you laughing, but death is a judgment. Death is a penalty. Death exists because sin exists. We're all headed there. But the worst kind of death is not just the physical death where our body stops working. The worst kind of death is the separation that we experience from God, our maker, the one who made us, is so angry with our sin 
that he cannot tolerate us being with him with our sin in us. He can't accept that. He can't tolerate that. He's a holy God. He's perfect. He's pure. He can't endure that. So the consequence is that we would be separated from him forever. That's hell. Hell is a real place. It's not make-believe. It's not what it looks like in the Far Side cartoons. It's a real place of suffering, judgment, a place not to be joked about, a place that Jesus spoke about with clarity. If you believe that Jesus came and was born on Christmas Day, listen to what he says and later in his life where he talks about the place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He talks about that with sobriety. He, does, he says, don't fear the one who can just kill the body. He says, fear him who can cast body and soul into hell. Fear him. And yet that's the trajectory that we're all on in and of ourselves. That's where we're going. But here's where the good news comes in. This is why Christmas and everything following the life of Jesus is so tremendous. Because while we were walking away from God, guess what he did? He came to us. That's the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. While we didn't want him in our lives, when we didn't look for him, when we weren't seeking him, he came to us. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to dwell among us, to live among us. Why would he, why did he want to be with us losers? Why would he want to be with people who have rejected and rebelled against him? Why would he want to do that? Because why? Because God is love. And although he is a just God, he is a loving and merciful God. And he's a God who seeks to save the lost. And so he sent his son with a rescue plan to come and rescue us from our sin. And he came with this tremendous, perfect plan, whereby his own son would come and live the perfect life that we have never lived and never could live. And he sent his son to be the perfect virtue that none of us could ever be or accomplish. And that Jesus lived that life so that one day he could go to the cross. Jesus took on flesh so that he could die. And there on the cross, he was treated as a cursed man, He's treated as a man, like a criminal who had committed all sorts of heinous crimes, but even more than that, while Jesus hung on the cross, darkness covered the land, and that was God, his Father, executing judgment on his Son, not for Jesus' sins, but for ours. And while he hung on that cross, Jesus endured the wrath of God against sin in our place, so that we could be forgiven, wiped clean, made new. You know where it goes from there, Jesus was buried. And this is really why I have hope, and this is where I want to begin. Jesus, on the third day, rose again to life. I know I'm going to Easter, but Christmas is really about Easter, don't you know that? Jesus rose to life on the third day. And when he did that, he proved that he was a sufficient, satisfactory sacrifice for our sins, and that his Father accepted what he had done on our behalf. More than that, 
He proved that he defeated our greatest enemy, which is death. The very thing that we can never overcome, no matter how hard we try, no matter the medicines we take, he overcome that one thing none of us could ever overcome. He overcame death. And by virtue of that, he invites all who would come to him to trust him for their salvation, so that through him they might live. And even though we go through physical death, we would be promised eternal life so that we go on living with God forever. So that today, this very day, I am convinced my mom who trusted in Jesus Christ is having the very best Christmas Eve ever because she is with Jesus of Nazareth in heaven. And here's my hope because my mom trusted in Jesus that Jesus promises all those who are in him, death is not the final word, but one day my mom's body is going to be raised to life again, just as Jesus was. And so I have hope that this is only goodbye for now. Last Sunday, I had a little Christmas service with my mom. I was there with her, we sang some songs, and I told her the same message that I'm telling you, just to remind her of what she had taught me growing up. In her dark days, in her final hours, when she's in excruciating pain, she barely looks like my mom anymore because of the ravages of cancer on her body. I was able to tell her the good news of Jesus Christ risen from the dead because that's what she's hoped in and that's the glory that she's headed to. Then when I saw my mom for the last time, just yesterday morning, I said to her, I love you, mom. You've been the best mom. I'll see you later. And I know that's true. I know it's true because Jesus rose from the dead. That's my hope. What's your hope? Do you have any hope that approaches any kind of goodness like that? That's not me making it up. That's the word of God telling us what he's done for guilty sinners like us. Forgiving us, giving the gift of salvation, giving us the gift of eternal life, and giving us the hope of the resurrection from the dead. Is there any hope that can match that? Is there any hope that can come close competing with the great needs that we have in this world and in this life? God knows what he needs. He's provided in us. That hope is offered to you today, and I know some of you are wondering, is this true or is this not true? I'd invite you to investigate the scriptures. Don't just sweep this to the side. Investigate what has been claimed in this book this book that has transformed so many lives, has endured the test of time, and stood the test of critics and skeptics during the centuries. Look into it. See what it says. Measure the claims of Jesus. And put your trust in him, and he will save you. If you'd like to talk more about this hope, I'd be thrilled to talk with you about it. I'm not going to come against you or judge you. just want to be able to talk and be available. If you have questions about what Jesus has claimed, what he's done, why he came into the world, I'd be thrilled to talk. Feel free to come see me afterwards. We've got a bunch of um, little books. It's, uh, I can't even remember the name of the book. I'll have to get it out later. It's very small. It's short. It's a Christmas story kind of explained in modern language. We'll have those after the service. If anyone would like, well, you can just take that. It's our gift to you. We'd love for you to take that reading. Consider the claims of Christ and see what he offers you. And I encourage you. Consider it for your own sake. We're all facing that dilemma, death. How are you going to overcome it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us a sure hope. The Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, brought into the world completely by your grace. Father, I thank you that there is a, a real hope 
for us in this world, that death is not the end for us because the Son of God has come. Lord, what great news. We cannot come up with better news than this. We praise your name. We thank you. You give us opportunity even now to continue singing your praises as we reflect on what Christ has done. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.